0: Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast, a member of the Charisma Podcast Network and the Edify Podcast Network. This is episode 35. I want to welcome you to the show. Hopefully you checked out last week's show with Ben Corson. We had a great interview about depression and how to stop the suicide pandemic that is in this country and this world. So make sure you check that out. I'm excited to tell you that my third u version Bible plan is now alive, ready for you to download. You might have seen my eyes on Jesus devotional that I offered as a ebook, and now that devotional is available on the u version Bible app. Just search for eyes on Jesus. For the 14-day version and if you want the full 30-day version, you can go to eyesonjesusdevotional.com. This is my third U version Bible plan. My other two are Everyday Discernment and Hurt by Christians if you want to check those out as well. In addition, if you would like access to my second podcast called Eyes on Jesus, you can get that by being a Patreon supporter. You can go to patreon.com/discerningdad and check out the tiers to help support what I'm doing and even at the lowest tier, which is only $3 a month, you get access to my podcast. And now for my guest today is Darren Gray. He has experience in sports marketing and media, and he's worked with Tony Dungy. And we have a great conversation about athletes and sports and Jesus coming up right now.
1: Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. This show is about you and your walk with Jesus as we grow in discernment together so that we can make better daily decisions that honor God in all we do. We will align all things against the Bible and give you practical steps to run your Christian race to win. And now your host, The Discerning Dad, Tim Ferrara.
0: Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. I am here today. My guest is Darren Gray, and he has experience based on 25 years in media, sports marketing at All Pro Dad, which was a national nonprofit founded by Tony Dungy. Darren is recognized as a thought leader and speaker on various topics, and he is now on the leadership team at Athletes in Action. He also co-authored the book, The Jersey Effect. Welcome, Darren. How are you doing?
2: I'm great, thank you.
0: Awesome. So you're in Indianapolis, right?
2: I sure am.
0: I didn't talk about personal, uh, your family, any other info that you can add on your bio?
2: You know, an amazing family, a wife of 26 years who I met when she was 12 years old and I was 15. So that's an incredible uh, longitudinal faithfulness in the same direction. Yeah. And uh, so Leslie is awesome. Four children, uh, three biological, uh, and then a godson. Uh, So that's sort of a God story in and of itself. His name is Prince Michael Majestic Johnson.
0: Wow. And
2: uh, Prince ended our life in fourth grade when he was in fourth grade. He's the same age as my oldest son and started uh, just being present in our house and started fathering and parenting in his space. And now he's a fixture in the family and he's a senior in college. So Another long story. The same direction. God showed up, and and uh, he, along with my three biological children, make a, a great team. Awesome. Any grandkids yet? <laughs> no, not yet. No, my um, my oldest son, uh, Evan, who is the same age as Prince, is uh, engaged to be married. Uh, cool. So we'll we'll expect some grands before yeah. too long. <laughs> awesome. Yeah.
0: So, tell us more about you. Uh, What's your history? When did you become a Christian? What influences did you have in your life growing up?
2: Yeah, so I grew up in Anderson, Indiana, the church of God capital of the world. Uh, So, we, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and and, and was present in and around uh, faith and made a decision for Christ as a young man. But I didn't make it my own, like really, truly my own, until 1999 when I saw the face of Jesus at a promise keepers convention and it was in the craziest of all possible ways. I wasn't supposed to be there. I was too busy, too self-important. I had too much going on. I was the general sales manager of a large enterprise and a $40 million budget, lots of employees, whatever, whatever that is, none of that matters. But just to say that I, I made myself too busy and, uh, my brother-in-law just was persistent. He's like, I really want you to go. I really want you to go. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like if I'm going to be at the, uh, R- the then RCA dome, like I want to be at a Colts game. Like, yeah. I don't want to be, I'm gonna be in the suite. Yeah. Uh, and you know what I went, we sat in the upper deck. Uh, it, the message was simple and pure as for me and my household we will serve the Lord. It convicted me in a way that I hadn't been before. I really saw the face of Jesus that day, dove into my faith and began uh, reading and studying and going deeper than I ever had before on a personal faith with Jesus. So that was a long answer to a simple question, but that's how it happened for me. And the funny thing is, Tim, I had a degree in theology. like So I had studied God, uh, I had studied philosophy. I was a Christian, and I believed, but I didn't believe. Right. So that's my story, and and uh, always happy to talk about my faith journey, and thanks for asking.
0: That's cool, and uh, I've heard so many stories from Promise Keepers similar mm-hmm. to that, where people maybe didn't want to go, or someone dragged them there, and they they had an <laughs> encounter with God, and I had Ken Harrison on the podcast, and he, he's now the chairman of Promise Keepers. And um, I know, that was such a cool conversation on how that happened and kind of his vision for it going forward. And I'm so of... happy
2: that they're relaunching and yeah. was thinking seriously about going to Texas for the relaunch here. This last August didn't happen, but I spent uh, uh, most. I was on most of that uh, lengthy uh, uh, engagement that they had, and they're going to team up with uh, Athletes in Action on our Super Bowl breakfast strategy. Uh, with Tony Dungy. So there's all kinds of connectivity that we have, but great appreciation for their work and uh, what they stand for.
0: Yeah, very cool. So how did you get involved in uh, sports after being in uh, management or what you were doing there? How did that all happen?
2: Yeah, so uh, while while I was the general sales manager at a media property, the Indianapolis Star, uh and uh you know back in the day when they used to toss it in everybody's front yards every morning and all the guys in town read the sports section and you know sports was part of what we sold to the marketplace right we aggregated sports content and i just fell in love with um you know uh, buying and selling from sports teams and um you know at the time right the colts weren't very good they still needed to sell tickets and so we were part of that story and you know, the pacers uh, ebbed and flowed. And so I just uh, had an opportunity to be in and around the world of sports and uh, decided that, you know what? I I could probably find a way to do more sports marketing. And I enjoyed it. And uh, so lo and behold, I got a phone call from the Indianapolis Colts in 2002. And they said, hey, you've got a brand new head coach. His name is Tony Dungy. And he wants to do this thing called All Pro Dad. And I'm like, All Pro what? And uh, what are you t- What? Who is this guy? And, uh, you know, we we invested in uh, that ministry, that program uh, from a media perspective. And I began to get involved and, and just fell in love, not just with him, but with the whole enterprise, Mark Merrill and all the team there, many of which are still around. And so for 11 years, uh, I spent commuting from Indianapolis to Tampa once a month to help build this enterprise, which has now grown to 1400 chapters all over America. I'm wow. still actively involved uh, uh, as a consultant, as a friend of the mission, and uh, just am so uh, proud of the work that we've done to build up uh, this movement in the midst of really a fatherless epidemic that's going on around uh, the globe, but in particular in some urban settings. And in, it's, in, it's it takes a different form in suburban settings Uh, But nonetheless, uh, fathering is just so critical to the health and well-being of families, children, and the community. Yeah,
0: for sure. That's awesome. So that's where it began.
2: And and I didn't even answer your question, which was that was around sports. And so I helped to build out this network of NFL players, coaches, and alumni which were high-character men that believed in Christ and wanted to make a difference through their platform. And so I helped to craft some of those strategies along with my team uh, at All Pro Dad underneath the umbrella of something called Family First. I invite your listeners to check it out, allprodad.com, familyfirst.net, and they can find amazing uh, family-friendly resources to help grow their family. So uh, sports was part of that platform, and then from there got an opportunity uh, to, uh, to leave, uh, and join as a, a key executive leader at a ministry called athletes in action, which I've been doing for the last two and a half, three years and having a fun time ministering to the pros, uh, so that the pros can minister to people. Mm. And that's an awful lot of fun with a particular amount of emphasis on NFL, uh, missional work. So that's what I spend most of my time doing.
0: Wow. That's so cool. Mm. Awesome. So we'll ask, I'm I'm going to ask you more questions about those coming up, but I'm going to take a step back here. We're going to get to know you a little bit and icebreakers. I ask everybody, we're going to do rapid fire. You ready? I'm ready. All right. First question is your favorite movie of all time.
2: Yeah. Almost famous.
0: Almost famous. Okay. I thought you might throw a sports movie in there.
2: All right. (laughs) I love, if I could have been anything else, I would have been a rock star. Uh, But have, Have you
0: seen almost famous? Uh, that was like a '90s movie. right? I think I saw it one.
2: It, it, yeah, right, a long time ago. But there's so many great one-liners. Uh, it's about a individual that you know uh, uh, travels along with a band and and learns a lot along the way. So great movie. Enjoyed gotcha.
0: it. Cool. So you've met a lot of people. If you can meet anyone you haven't met, who would who would it be, alive or dead?
2: Yeah, Abraham Lincoln.
0: Okay, let's come up. You know, with more awesome. Just just uh,
2: talk about discernment. Yeah right? What he had to go through to wrestle with, um, you know, what to do in the midst of just a storm beyond measure that was ripping the fabric of a country apart. I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with him, the man. Yeah. I love it on
0: social media. You see this uh, picture goes, that goes out with all the times he failed and Mm -hmm. You know, it was just failure after failure after failure. And at the end, it was president, you know, and he never gave up. Even though he had failure in his life, he persevered. And it's such a great lesson for anybody that, you know, never give up. Cool. What about a favorite author of yours or a book you would recommend?
2: Uh, Well, uh, that's two very different things. You know, favorite author, J.D. Salinger, Catcher in the Rye, you know, just that rye humor and the ability to, you know, spot (laughs) phonies. Yeah. And in a way, if you think about it, that's what I do for a living now. I try, to, I try to work with only the good guys in sport. I don't want any phonies. Like I want people that truly are good men, men of character and substance yeah. that are willing to speak out and, and talk about what it means to be a real man, a man of virtue uh, uh the, the Christian values. Uh so that's sort of the the leap forward, but man, love, catcher in a rye, uh uh from your way back machine. But yeah. you know, read the by the book I'm in the most is the Bible, uh Amen. far and away. And that's the the, yep. the the my my manual uh for life that I'm that I'm coaching from.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah it takes discernment just to to recognize someone's character because a lot of times they put mm. up a front or they put up a show and you know to get to the heart of the person takes discernment. And sometimes you don't even know until you get to know them more. All right. What do you do in your free time?
2: You know, I, I love chess, right? Maybe surprise people, but I love the competitive edge and the thought uh, process behind chess. And, you know, so much of my free time is spent in Bible studies, small groups. I just, I'm sort of a junkie for all that. Uh, just spending time running them, being part of them virtually in person. I'll be headed to one in a few hours, awesome. uh, bright and early tomorrow morning. And, and uh, we were, I was at a meeting just prior to coming to this meeting, planning another one. So that's, yep. that's what I enjoy doing.
0: Good. A hunger for the word and discipleship like we should yeah. all have. That's great. Come on. Cool. So we're going to jump to the questions I ask all my guests. So a time that you had a godly discernment in your life and kind of what you learned from it, and then a time that you did not, just so that our uh, listeners can kind of, you know, listen to the uh, mm. method and how we discern from God and how we act upon that call or that mm. that that decision. Um, and it looks different for everybody and no, no one's situation is going to be the same, but there's definitely things yeah. we can glean from from learning from others who have gone before us. So yeah. whichever one of those two you want to start out with
2: let's talk about the failed one. Okay. Let's, let's talk about, you know, the uh, frame the question again around the discernment that didn't go well or frame that up for me.
0: Yeah. So a time that you did not have godly discernment in a decision that you made.
2: Yeah. So I go, I think back to college, you know, as I was reflecting on this uh, preparing for it, and it was hard uh, trying to think about, Hey, what what's wrong? Cause of course lots of bad decisions, not that many regrets in life, but I'll tell you one that, that was really painful. Uh, I was in college. Uh, um, I was studying theology. I mentioned that a little bit earlier. I went to a liberal arts school called Hanover College Presbyterian School down in southern Indiana. Great experience. I actually studied. I paid attention. I, I wasn't a, a complete jock in college. I, I really keyed in on my studies anyway. Uh, there was an underclassman. I was an upperclassman, an underclassman who I rode home uh, from Hanover, Indiana to Indiana or back close to where I lived in Anderson, Indiana, he would take me home every third weekend. And so I felt indebted to him. You know, there, there was a, he was caring for me and I would share the gas prices or whatever, but he had to go out of his way because he lived in a city called Newcastle. So long story short, uh, my senior year, my professor, my closest mentor in life, God rest his soul, Gordon Campbell, um, uh, came to me with some of my study notes that I had prepared, and I had to turn in for an assignment, and he gave them back to me because I had an important paper that I needed to write, and Gordon came to me, said, you know what, I know you're working on this paper, and I want to give you back this, these notes that you took, Uh, uh, But all I would ask is, because they are from the Introduction to Theology course, which was an existential theology course, all I ask is if I give them to you, keep them to yourself, right? Don't show them to anyone else, because I want them to wrestle, right, with the same class that you excelled in, and I did. I had done well on that, but I needed those back, and he gave them to me sean bagley is his name and i we, sean and i would laugh about it today if, if he knew i was telling this story uh, um the man that i wrote would write back with said hey you know i know you've got he somehow he figured out that i had those notes he was living at the fiji house and he and he sort of pressured me in a way right and there was an allegiance there was a loyalty i don't want to say you know, it's hard as I think about it now, right? Because there was an earthly loyalty, but yet I had made a commitment to this man that I loved, that had mentored me, that that believed in me, that trusted me. Yeah. So get this. I gave Sean those notes and I helped him to study too. So I didn't just give them to him, but I gave them to him and I helped him to prepare for an exam. Sure the doof the doofus <laughs> took the study notes with him to the dang test wow. they were underneath his test he was looking at them during the test like like he couldn't have copied them onto some other thing i'm like here i am making a justification for myself even now yeah of course what happened gordon saw him i still feel a measure of shame and remorse about it now.
0: Yeah.
2: Because I let down somebody that I really cared about for a reason that wasn't all that important. And yet I was doing it for what could sort of seem like a a good reason, help my friend, which that's, that's sort of a noble thing. Right. And so in the middle of that, I think that's kind of like life, Tim, that's mm-hmm. sort of the, the muddy water. Now, in retrospect, I can see that pretty clearly, and I would have done things differently. I regret the decision that I made, but nonetheless, I lived with that. Gordon, I'll finish this story just to make it real for your listeners. Yeah. He got the notes from them. He, at my next class with them, I mean, I still feel emotional about it today. He walked up and he said, hey, I just want you to know, right, I got these here's what happened and I want you to have them back and so of course like what did I feel I felt like a a kick (laughs) I felt awful and in the moment I was just stunned I didn't know what to say and and it was a good lesson for me like like from that and I'll kick it to you to kind of riff with me on any lessons that might be might have been learned that I might not even be fully aware of but You know, it taught me right to think it all the way through and to not let earthly allegiances uh, get in the way of what was more of a godly allegiance to a mentor, a godly mentor, my theology professor, uh, but also to the promise that I had made, hey, I'll keep those private. So that is a crazy story from Darren Gray's uh, archives. Uh, and, uh, that's what I thought of when you asked that question.
0: Well, that's so good. And, and actually peer pressure has not come up in my interviews before. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, you know, does take discernment because right? we have peer pressure. It's not just a, you know, we think of peer pressure as a grade school thing, but peer pressure happens all through our life. And, you know, we may mature and it may not, we may not give into it as much but I guarantee there's still peer pressure today. You have peer pressure at work. You have peer pressure to, you know, uh, compromise your, your ethics in business. You have peer pressure in a relationship that's not healthy for you. You have peer pressure in church, you know, mm-hmm. church leadership to, you know, go along the wide path and not the narrow path and to where God's calling the church and to do what's, you know, I mean, there's all there's so many ways I can think of. But how would you say, you know, what's the best way to discern peer pressure I think, and I'll let, I'll put it back to you, but I think just staying knowing what you believe and staying firm in your belief, because if, if you're, if you're wavering, you know, like a ship on the sea, you're going to get tossed to and fro based on the most recent news report or based on the most recent, you know, who's, who's popular in school or work. You know, you're going to look to them instead of keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus.
2: You know that I, I love that you boiled it down to peer pressure. Like I didn't use those words and, that phrase didn't even come to me as I was sort of preparing for this time together, but thinking about something that's not fun to talk about, I don't like to talk about my failures, like that's no fun. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it, it was a, a, a stark learning experience for me, uh, that, that has made me a wiser man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, uh, his wife, uh, upon his passing, upon Gordon's passing, his wife sent me, uh, a little dove uh, that had been Gordon's because she knew of our relationship and not that part of the relationship, right. but just the, the depth and the texture uh, of our time together for those several years down in southern Indiana. And I'll never forget the man. I'm grateful for him and and mentoring uh, at that depth and that level in and around really thoughtful Uh, uh, deep philosophical and existential questions of of life, man, he really helped me. Uh, And that prepared me for the work I do today, even though I had to go back and meet Jesus again. I I was reading these biblical studies, but he really did prepare me uh, for what would become my calling in life, which is to be a sports minister. Uh, And, uh, you know, I think that little lesson that I learned on peer pressure uh, we'll continue to pay dividends. I'll probably teach it at a chapel service uh, near you uh, before long. So nice. we'll go with it. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Uh, and also it comes to mind too. I I, I heard this in a, a message too recently about, you know, the loudest voice in our life is not the most urgent. And mm-hmm. when it comes to peer pressure, you know, it can be very loud to want to, you know, con- um, compromise your your morals or your ethics for this loud voice. That's just telling you to do it. But, The loud voice is not even the true voice because we know God speaks in a still small voice and God is hundred percent truth. And so in our life, you know, we have these loud things just, you know, that, that steals our discernment because they're just vying for our time and attention, but we have to be able to properly process those voices and align them with the Holy Spirit and make sure that the, we listen to the true voice. And sometimes, you know, like (laughs) loud voices at work and put out fires all day and, but what did you really get done? You just put out fires instead of being strategic and planning for the, for the next two weeks. You know, that's my example at work and how, you know, mm-hmm. if you're not strategic, if you just let the loud voices dictate your time, you're going to realize you're less productive and you're actually making poor decisions. So, This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by
2: diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the app store or Google play, or by going to edify.app. That's E D I F I
1: app.
0: Well, let's move on to a good example of godly discernment in your life where you, you heard from God and you, and you made a decision based on it.
1: That This
2: is much more fun to talk about. In 2002, I began thinking very seriously about what I really wanted to do with my life, and uh, I was a national leader in a in a men's movement called the Mankind Project, which wasn't overtly evangelical, but a lot of a lot of Christians in and around that space, and about leadership and values and and accountability, especially. And I'm thinking, you know what? I don't know that I want to be in the media business for the rest of my life it's just like it's not a calling i mean the it, keeping the freedom of the press alive that th- there was a value system to that but it wasn't my personal calling so i literally uh uh borrowed from a quaker process called a clearness committee And I picked 10 men in my life, uh, in the community, many of which I didn't know well, I knew of them, that, you know, kind of like maybe what you get to do from time to time with the podcast, where you reach out and say, hey, I'd like to learn from you. So perhaps some of that's even happening now in a mutual way. And I would reach out to them and I would take them to lunch and I had written down 10 very clear statements of who I was and what I stood for. And and it was very transparent, it was vulnerable, I didn't hold back, uh, and, and I didn't do it in the first 10 minutes of the meeting and half of them I already knew, like I had done some form of commerce or had some communications with, but these were some respected guys in the community. And so one at a time I would take them to lunch, this happened over about a 10 month period. And I would just take copious notes and listen and learn and do a lot of reflecting after they would kind of help me to discern, like, could I actually leave this safe perch, well paid, well compensated, you know, all the sweets, nice car, whatever that was that I had, would I be willing to set that aside to pursue uh, the significance that lied beyond success?
0: Mm, That's good. You know? Yeah.
2: Success over significance over success. Right. And and I began really just thinking and praying and walking with those guys, praying with those, the ones that were more faith forward and just being very intentional. And I still have in my wallet today that exact piece of paper that had those notes on it. And I pull it out about once a year. It's not like I'm doing this every day, yeah. but just to reflect upon the courage that it took to make the decision in '04. To leave this safe perch that I was at uh, to go do this more meaningful work, and so now for whatever that is, 16, 16 years, uh, I've I've lived a more missional life. I haven't gone to the office every day. I found ways to uh, deploy some of those, you know, discernments, uh, and really, I think that rich the richness of that work. Uh, if I wouldn't have taken the time on the front end, first of all, I don't know if I would have the courage to do it. Uh, but more importantly, I then knew I had a support system, Tim, yeah. from those guys, a couple of which are still good, dear friends of mine that I'm in touch with regularly, that support, that trust, uh, and continue to guide my my life as I step forward, uh, uh, hopefully in wisdom and stature, uh, and continue to Uh, make a difference in the world. So that was a very thoughtful, discerning process. Reading the Bible, studying. I love how you broke down, right? You know, the discernment of the Holy Spirit, reading of the Bible, and then close friends that you allow into your world. And that's exactly uh, what I did. And, uh, you know, I hope the world is a little better for having done that. And uh, not that I wouldn't have been able to do meaningful work from the business context that i was in because i I, there's so many business leaders that are doing powerful work in the marketplace and i am too but it's just a little different now of getting um athletes on message for christ and wrapping a strategy around that to reach the world right with the great commission so that's that's what i do now so that's that's how it happened
0: Good. That's great. And that's, that's three sources of discernment right there. I talk about in my book is the Bible, the Holy Spirit and godly relationships. And you knew enough in the moment to seek out that wisdom. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's not a Bible verse, but no man is an island unto himself. And there's plenty of verses in the Bible and Proverbs that talk about godly counsel. And you Mm -hmm. sought godly counsel. You know, you said, I need to learn more. I need wisdom of people who've gone on before me. And that's, such an incredible source of discernment. It's not just any relationship because there's plenty of relationships out there that won't give us discernment, that don't Mm -hmm. have wisdom for us, but to actually seek out those people who can speak into your life and give you some trajectory on where to go. That is something I would encourage everyone to do because we all need it. No matter what walk in life you're at, we can always learn from someone else. And they're not going to just show up at your door all the, you know, most of the time, they're not going to show up at your door. You have to actually seek them out and say, I'm struggling Mm -hmm. in an area whether it's you know, anger, depression, or, or career-related things. I'm struggling. I need help. I know you've overcome this. Can you speak into my life? And I want to meet with you once a week to do it. Most people are not going to say no to that because everyone has a story that they can inspire someone else. And a lot of times the struggles that we've gone through will be something that inspires someone who's going through the same struggle at the time, where it, in the moment when we struggled with it, we feel my life is over. I can never do anything with it. But we know that sometimes our greatest struggles can be an inspiration for someone later on.
2: Nailed it. Cool. And, you know, it wasn't that I was any smarter than anyone else. You know, it wasn't that I was any, any wiser. I, I just took the time to slow down yeah. and be more intentional about those relationships that, uh, you know, how was it that I would allow myself to be, to have a shepherd or shepherds that would, would help to guide me because I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, uh, but I am coachable
1: That's and
2: uh, listening uh, uh, and discerning is, uh, you know, they go hand in hand. Yeah. So I want to listen more to you, man. Each time you speak, you bring just such wisdom forward with how it is that you language uh, these kind of growth mindset, these learning ways that we might uh, become the best version of ourselves. So back at you, man. Awesome. Well, we're running out of time. This is
0: awesome. But I definitely want to get to your book, The Jersey Effect, that you co-authored. Yeah. And it's it talks about using your platform to give glory to God. Do you want to talk more about that and why that's so important?
2: Oh, man. Well, this is my sweet spot. So, you know, when Tony won, uh, Tony, that team right there, when they won the Super Bowl, February 4th of 2007, It made an incredible impression on me. In fact, if anybody Googles uh, the the locker room photo that happened immediately after Tony came off stage, Jim Nance puts the mic in Tony's face, and he gives credit to the Lord on national TV, international TV. It was incredible. But he goes to the locker room, and it was actually one of his backup players that said, hey, Tony, in spite of all the champagne and the fun and the frivolity that's going on, hey, can we in the year the same way that we ended every other game with a a prayer huddle and he was like man i don't know it's like look around like there's cameras everywhere and and he said if we can get everybody turn off their cameras and uh, have a quiet moment i'm willing to do it but you know didn't know if that'd be possible well sure enough they cleared the locker room of all the cameras all but one guy uh (laughs) uh, followed tony's instructions and thank god of that that uh um that he didn't, because that photograph that was taken went viral, was seen by tens of millions of people, and it had a deep, made a deep impression on me, and I was already working with Al Prudad and Tony at the time, uh, but I tell you what, I'm like, wow, You mean, we can reach tens of millions of people in a day with the right message at the right time uh, uh, to reach uh, uh, so many people for Christ, and it just made an imprint on me. Uh, And so I asked for permission uh, from Tony to write this book and have him kind of lean into it. He was gracious to write the forward. And then we began breaking down all the aspects of academic, athletic, social and spiritual, all the areas where young people need to develop, how athletes need to develop, how coaches are a part of that process. Where do the parents fit in uh, and began looking at it through the lens of that Super Bowl championship season with 11 different of people that were on the team that year and they each tell very personal stories about what they learned about what was going on in the locker room about how they stayed on message and just simple things of that were just so profound when they realized that they could use their jersey to have a positive effect on the world but they also learned that they could get distracted by a lot of things around them. Like one guy talks about famous guy. It was Jeff, Jeff Saturday. He's now on ESPN. And, and he got offered the opportunity to have Jeff Saturday Chevrolet right after the, the. Uh, and he's like, I don't even care about about cars. I don't really want to be the car business. And and But, but yet there was something attractive about the world saying, hey, your name is going to be on the bright shining lights. And so what did they learn from that? And I tried to capture as best I could Uh, those storylines that help then parents, coaches uh, and uh, everyday sports fans think more deeply about the sports that we love and how those sports can actually be a force for good and positive things in the world. But if misused, uh, how they can also lead us to our darker selves, uh, because sports can divide us, right? We're not careful, Uh, but I I try to find ways to use sports to unite us and Mm. bring us uh, to our better angels. Amen. That's great. So what
0: along those lines, what concepts do you share with sports leaders and business leaders when you talk to them as it relates to discernment, you know, as part of that unification, bringing people together for a common goal and also sharing the, you know, the love of Christ as, as you get the opportunity?
2: Yeah, well, that's actually my highest calling in the world of sports It's unity in the body of sports ministry. So as it relates to Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Athletes in Action, and other parachurch organizations, all pro-dad, even promise keepers, where athletes are involved in helping to extend messages, I want there to be unity. I want there to be a coming together, uh, uh, bringing forth of gifts uh, so that we can reach people uh, for what I call the great collaboration, which is born first from the great commandment, love yeah. God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love others, right? That makes sense. We get that. That leads to the Great Commission, right? Go to all the nations baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, we get that. Great. But how do we do that together, right? No ministry is an island. No podcast is an island. No book is sufficient uh, aside from the Bible. And so how do we come together to bring more sufficiency to the Word of God through our great collaboration? Mm. And that's really uh, uh, my, my work that I do across the world and have traveled to, you know, Rwanda and back and Mexico and all kinds of missional things in and through the world of sports. And I'm grateful for that. But, uh, at the center of all that is Christ crucified.
0: Mm, Amen
2: right? Not forgetting what it is, uh, the, the the reason, the why behind all of that. And let us not forget that message, even amongst the fame and all the, the fortune and the bright shining lights that sports can sometimes represent. And they do. And I've been in those places too. And I've been in the quiet locker rooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as long as we stay focused on the real purpose and meaning uh, 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 of grace Uh, Christ crucified and how it is that we can live a redeemed life that's what I believe I'm I'm on the planet to do and to help guide others toward a better relationship with Christ uh, uh, in that process and all of it starting with my own heart Uh, and so you asked how I teach discernment uh, probably the most oft quoted um, you know champions are not champions because they do extraordinary things they're champions because they do the ordinary things better than anyone else Mm. They do those ordinary everyday things that make a big difference. They get on the floor and they play with their kids. They say yes. When people ask them to do podcasts, they, they find a way to use what they've been given to help in the context that they are so that they can lift up other people, make a positive difference. And, and those are the kind of things that I care about. How about you? What, what are you focused in on these days? Well that that reminds me,
0: you know, I thought about fundamentals in sports, you know, they they make you practice things over and over. Even though, even if you know how to make a layup, they make you practice it over and over. They make you practice yes. running. All these things that you may know and how how much more important is that in the Christian walk, you know. Well, I've read my Bible before. I've prayed before. I I prayed and it didn't work. Like all these excuses we give God and he wants yes. us to stay faithful and committed to the fundamentals mm-hmm. of Christianity because that's how we can, you know, excel. That's how so we can live out our calling. That's how we can allow God to not just read the word, but let the word fill us and and change the lives of those around us. And so I just really love that analogy. And there's so many good analogies in sports in general. And I think it's really important to especially start kids young because there's so many unification factors in sports. And, and I have a friend that runs a um, sports ministry called Paladin Sports, and they have kids of all ages that come from, I think, five on. And, you know, there's verses on the jerseys they pray before the meetings and you 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 unify the kids around a common goal but you also share the love of christ in the middle of it and it's such a great you know way to start kids off and to know that sports can be something that like you said doesn't have to divide us but it can be something that we surround ourselves in Mm -hmm. and learn the 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 life lessons in sports of commitment and excellence and fundamentals and all those things that can, we can apply to any situation in our life. We can apply it to our marriage and how to parent and how to be good at you name it, you know,
2: that. Yeah. Thank you. You're a sports minister too. I can tell, (laughs) right? Because you get sort of the fundamentals, right? Whether you could dunk a ball or not, or whether you could run a 40 yard dash in, in less than five seconds. Look, but well, you still understand that, right, the athletic part, right, our physical nature, who, especially as men, like, you know, just, it's, it's, it's good to bump up against another man and to compete, and the essence of the word competition uh, means to strive together. That's that's the, the Latin root, is to strive together, and, and isn't that what we're doing in our Christian faith, in our Christian walk, is just striving to be a little better today than we were yesterday. Spur each and other that on. incremental growth, and we don't have to be extraordinary. Like I don't have to make the big catch. But if I'm part of that, if I'm a role player, if I'm a better a friend, a better you know, husband, right. then I know that I'm, I'm living that forward. And, and that's what I hope God uses me for and continue allows me to do.
0: Uh, One more thing I'll say too, I think people look at the platform that they want and they don't look at Mm -hmm. where they're at and being faithful where they're at. And you look at in sports, you know, I want to be a professional player. Well, you need to be faithful where you're at or you're never going to get there. And the same thing in our life, Mm -hmm. you know, we want, you know, once I get this platform, then I can talk about Jesus. Well, no, you can talk about him now where you're at, Mm -hmm. if you're faithful where you're at, and then God will increase that because you're being faithful. But if we just get Mm -hmm. discontented with where we're at and we want something else, Chances are we'll never get that because we're not staying committed to what God is giving us now. Just like the, mm-hmm. the parable of the faithful uh, stewards, you know, he gave them one and they buried it in the sand. But God gives you no matter what God gives you, we're supposed to multiply it. And so if that means it's at a job you hate, ask God to give you grace for that job and and love the people that are there and then see what God does with that. And so I would just say that to anyone listening now is don't just look for the platform. And kids nowadays want a social media platform, which I would just say used a sermon against that. Well, once Mm -hmm. I have 10,000 followers, then my life is going to be complete. No, it's not because the same struggles that you struggle with now are just going to be exasperated and they're going to be put into the light and others will see it. Then you have 10,000 people that see your problems instead of just you know working mm. on them now letting god change you from within and then he can use you as a vessel as we're serving god awesome yes. okay cool well we're almost at the end of our time this has been awesome i'm just going to let you uh end with anything that's you know any final thoughts anything that you maybe have learned from tony dungy that you can mm. end us with
2: well you know what i described people ask me about tony a lot and yeah. you know his superpower is humility mm. And, you know, we think of, you know, the heroic acts and, you know, there've been all kinds of studies done and he's known by 78% of Americans on site. Think about that. You can't, you can't go anywhere. 78% of people know who you are. Wow. You know, they did a study for who was the most uh, trusted sports broadcaster in America. He was the most trusted. Wow. Uh, uh, they did another study that was uh, who is the most, um trusted Christian leader, Billy Graham, now deceased, and then Tony. Wow. And so he didn't seek after that. Let's not, he didn't seek after fame and fortune. Yeah. He sought after, how can God uniquely use me in the ways that I'm uniquely qualified for? and And hey, look at him. And uh, he doesn't do public endorsements. Uh, he does lots of missional work, lots of ministry work, He's on broadcast, but you don't see his name. Like he's not holding up a beer can or something. And he could do all of those things, right? Because of his notoriety. And it's his deep humility to be uh, present with people, to prioritize people, uh, whether they are uh, the president of the United States or whether they're just an average person who gets an opportunity to encounter him at a book signing or somewhere else. And having been around him a lot, uh, that, that is just something that I see him live out. I'm a different person because of, of watching him sort of live out, you know, John, uh, 3.30, right? You know, I must decrease so that you can increase yeah. and see him him live that out, having been with him in under bright lights in a lot of places. And it's really fascinating uh, when you find people like that. He's not the only one. There's lots of other ones. Uh, but I'd say... Uh, that coupled with just his depth of understanding of the word of God, and he is a mighty man. He preaches at his own church. Uh He's bringing that wisdom, and And I'll close with this thought relative to Tony, but, you know, he's got seven adopted children at home now. Mm. Think about that. Wow. You know, you raised three biological children, and now adopt seven yeah. in a, a life stage when, you don't. you know you can travel, you can do what you yes, want. Right. And that commitment to, uh, uh, what I would characterize as intergenerational generosity through adoption, right? The highest form that that's, that's biological parenting, do it to the best of your ability. God's first institution, the family yeah. adoption, then foster, then sustained mentoring programs. So how do we, in that sort of hierarchy of impact, uh, uh, look to guys like Tony uh, as our, our modern day heroes and say, you know what? I want to do better. I want to do more. And uh, he certainly inspired me and I figure a few others on this podcast. So he's, he's the real deal.
0: Yeah, very good. Awesome. Well, Darren, thanks so much for coming on. If you just want to let everyone know where they can connect with you and also where they can uh, find more about Athletes in Action.
2: Yeah, right on. Uh, Just launched a a new Athletes in Action website today. Just Google Athletes in Action. You'll find us. DarrenGray.com. You can get a feel for me. You can contact me there. And if you want to find me in the social spaces, you'll find me very active on LinkedIn, just Darren, D-A-R-R-I-N-G-R-A-Y. And then my handle in uh, Instagram and Twitter is at All Pro Dad awesome. So really the persona around who am I as a father, but also as a leader and a man uh, of faith. So uh, track me down. You'll see those kind of posts and hopefully it'll be an encouragement. Uh, to you and your walk and look forward to hearing from some of your listeners about how they encountered this show and and maybe a a thought that that inspired them. So I'll know to share it uh, again.
0: Very cool. I'll put those in the show notes. Once again, thank you for coming on. God bless you and your ministry.
2: My pleasure.
0: Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for being here. Make sure you check out all the episodes in case you missed one. There's great episodes in this first season, and I would love to hear from you as well as feedback, anything you would like to see in season two as well. Don't forget to check out the show notes for all the links you need to get involved with my guests as well as what I am doing. And for next week, my guest is Chad Hennings. He is a nine-year veteran with the Dallas Cowboys, has three Super Bowl rings, and he has taken his message of living a life. Style of excellence to leaders and businesses around the world. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, and I will see you next week. Until then, go with God, grow in discernment, and keep your eyes on Jesus.
1: Thank you for listening to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. For more information on Discerning Dad, go to discerning-dad.com. Be sure to follow on all the social media platforms. Just search for Discerning Dad. Please share this podcast with a friend and leave an honest review on whichever platform you listen. Feel free to send any comments, suggestions, questions, or prayer requests at discerningdad@outlook.com. At Until next time. Keep fighting the good fight.